more deadly, even than the soul-destroying drugs, is the menace of a marijuana. Okay, and I'm ready. Okay, hey, welcome back to the podcast. Your parents watched this with Key and Beattie and Brad Samatuck. We're brought to you by comedy here often, and we're brought to you to tell you about why the movies that your parents watch turn them into bad people. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Yeah, hey, thank you. Uh, this is a very special episode. We're uh, covering the oldest movie we've done so far. Maybe we can call this Your Grandparents Watched This. Ha 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 ha. Uh, nice, uh, I've been watching a lot of NPR po- or listening to a lot of NPR podcasts lately, so expect humor of that caliber. <laughs> I'm doing family-friendly wordplay only today. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Puns that your grandmother would like. Uh, the oldest, most liberal people in the world. That's who I write for. <laughs> anyway, this uh, we, we watched like a old ass propaganda movie this week. Uh, uh, you want to tell them the name? Yeah, it's an absolute banger of a propaganda film. It's titled Reefer Madness. Yeah, came out in uh, 1936. Uh, it was originally titled Tell Your Children. Um, but then they realized that's a terrible title. People kept being like, tell your children what? And then they'd be like, oh, no, it's the it's the name of the movie. And you know what's uh, crazy is if they did name it Tell Your Children, people would still not, like, people would watch the whole movie and still not know what they're supposed to tell their kids about. Yeah, yeah, no, just a lot of, uh, this thing, this movie is really just a barrage of things happening. And then they're like, yeah, and it was all because of weed. And you're like, I don't know if it was, but... <laughs> like i think that's just what coming of age yeah i think the 30s might have just been fucked i don't know if that was (laughs) it was a result of weed but (laughs) anyway this uh, is a it's a movie from the 1930s it's an absolute banger it's about the dangers of marijuana oh yeah it was uh it was directed by a frenchman by uh by the name of louis gossnier i can't pronounce that name it's french uh, and we don't have any French listeners, so it, frankly, I don't feel obliged to try very hard. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, frankly, a phone. I don't think this podcast needs any effort. Yeah, frankly, a phone. You can go get fucked, monsieur. Um, Let's go. <laughs> uh, and, and this movie was also financed by a church group, which like, is abundantly clear, I think. No one goes to church throughout the whole movie. They don't go. Yeah, I guess they don't go to church. But at the beginning of the movie, they pay a lot of big ups to like parent groups. So you can really just like tell, you know, it's like parents of church groups who funded this shit. Like they're always just like the parents are the number one force in stopping kids do drugs. It's like no, it's not. It's you know what we love is uh, lonely adults. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly that. That. That's what this movie is. It's a it, it was financed by a bunch of people who don't have kids coming together to save other people's children. Uh, well, yeah, and then what I was saying is that's what a parenting group is. It's just a club for lonely grown-ups. Oh, yeah, absolutely. They're just micromanaging other people's kids. <laughs> when you're so lonely that you had to have a kid to have a friend, but then the kid <laughs> doesn't want to hang out with you, so you have to go hang out with that kid's friend's parents. That's how my mom made every one of her friends. That's what being an adult's all about, dude. Maybe it's not movies that's making adults bad. Maybe it's the way that their lives are. You ever think about that? Yeah, but uh, I think the way that their lives uh, are are were brought onto them by the movies that they watched. Or otherwise, we don't have a podcast to do. 
Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> so <laughs> ignore that I said. Yeah, don't be don't be don't be putting questions like that in our listeners' minds. I can't get too real on this podcast. No, 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 no. You can get real within the confines of our premise. Yeah, I got to keep up the facade of the the thing though. Don't start questioning for even one second if this is something that needs to be talked about. It is, and we are. <laughs> that's the tagline <laughs> that's the tagline of every podcast by 20 year olds can i do a little uh synopsis of this bad boy real quick give her shit okay so uh the film follows a group of innocent high school kids who meet a group of weed dealers and are led down the dangerous path of dope smoking piano playing jazz dancing and premarital sex and uh, i ask you brad where does that path lead to well the fucking courtroom Yep, and almost everyone in this movie dying. (laughs) (laughs) The ones who don't die do go to court. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Yeah, this shit is fucking nuts. And before we do the uh, the opening scene, I thought it would be fun to read the title reel of this movie. Oh, okay. Because they have a pretty ballsy foreword where it just like pretty much admits that this movie is a propaganda film. Let me run this back because it was making me laugh pretty hard when I watched it. All right, forward. The motion picture you are about to witness may startle you, and it would not have been possible otherwise to sufficiently emphasize the frightful toll of the new drug menace which is destroying the youth of America in alarmingly increasing numbers. Marijuana is the drug. (laughs) And I'm not saying that to be racist. I'm saying that because they spelled it with an H and said it like that every time they said it in this movie. Yeah, and that's how you can tell the movie was made by white Christians right there. (laughs) Yeah, Because they refuse to spell anything correctly. Throw a J in there or even call it cannabis as we've been doing for hundreds of years before you invented marijuana. (laughs) They're like, hey, why don't you uh, racist that up a little bit? It's a Mexican name I heard. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd like to uh, implicate a group of people in this drug name. Is it possible we could do that? (laughs) Uh, No, I do not. I don't want to hear anyone saying Juana. I would like to hear them saying Juana. Okay, <laughs> marijuana is the is that drug, a violent narcotic, an unspeakable scourge, the real public enemy number one, and all that is in italics. Its first effect is sudden, violent, uncontrollable laughter. That's if you get the good stuff. Then comes dangerous hallucinations. No, they don't. Space expands, time slows down, almost everything stands still. Fixed ideas come next, conjuring up monstrous extravagances. I like that that's like one of the dangers of marijuana is that you might think of ideas. <laughs> so don't be giving this to any of your daughters yeah <laughs> you don't want them questioning their place in the home <laughs> don't be thinking about rights or getting the vote uh, <laughs> yeah they're like uh this drug will make you murder your entire family or it'll make you uh you know see things a little bit <laughs> yeah Come up with the idea of putting Cheese Whiz on a sandwich with real cheese also. (laughs) All right. Followed by emotional disturbances, the total inability to direct thoughts, the loss of all power to resist physical emotions, leading finally to acts of shocking violence, ending often in uncurable insanity. uh, No. I mean, maybe you might green out once, but like worst case scenario that has any ever happened to anybody who smoked weed is they threw up all over themselves and that's it. I think maybe they were just getting crazy shit in the 30s. 
Every time you talk to an old person about drugs, they say it's gotten stronger. But the only reason they say that is because they were so high they didn't even realize how strong their drugs used to be. It's like they hold up uh, the 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 cops like this is marijuana, and he holds up like a crack rock. It's like oh, that's why you, that's why you think you're gonna get incurable insanity and shocking violence. Man, yeah, I wrote that in my notes like twenty times. Like every time someone smokes weed in this whole movie, they just act like they're on crack. Yeah, seriously. There's a part where they're chilling in the drug dealer's house, and they one guy takes a hit of a joint, one hit, and then gets up and just starts dancing all over the ground. And it's like, uh, yeah, that's crack, man. It's just fucking insane that they can, like, see the effects of weed. And, like, we've all seen them. Like, it's, you know, weed is probably the least big deal uh, drug as far as drugs go in like of anything tylenol kills more people than weed does i don't understand how they can see like the harmlessness of weed and demonize it like this much and then they see alcohol and they're just like that's chill they're just well this was during time. prohibition oh i guess this was during prohibition huh so they like won that this battle. was actually this was the only time when they had it right fuck you're right bro you're actually right. They're not, I was trying to pin them on hypocrisy and you're right. They're not hypocrites. These guys are dumbasses through and through. There is hypocrisy that comes up in a second, though, because uh, you're right about the alcohol thing, but it's prohibition. But they also keep doing this thing where they talk about how smoking weed will kill you, but smoking cigarettes is just like chill. Yeah, it is chill. Yeah, that's like how they uh, trick a bunch of the kids into smoking weed is that they just think they're smoking regular cigarettes. Yeah, smoke this health stick. Nobody could pass me a cigarette and be like, this is a joint. Like, I don't smoke darts. You couldn't, like, fool me the uh, the other way, you know? (laughs) And, like, let's say you did. Let's say you handed me something and I have my eyes closed the entire time up to the point where I put it in my mouth and light it. I take one breath in and I I know it's not what you told me it is, you know? Yeah. I don't understand... they just like take like 10 hits and they're just like something's a little weird no they don't even think it's weird in this movie there's two different people who get tricked into smoking a joint by thinking it's a cigarette and neither of them notice that the flavor's off at all until uh they start murdering i guess that just means like back then everybody's mouth already tasted so much like darts that whatever you put in already tasted like cigarettes in the 30s americans would be eating spaghetti and thinking it was them smoking a cigarette yeah, yeah. <laughs> they just can't know, you know. Uh, in picturing its soul-destroying effects, no attempt was made to equivocate. The scenes and incidents, while fictionalized for the purposes of this story, are based upon actual research into the results of marijuana addiction. It, it, if their stark reality will make you think, will uh, will make you aware that something must be done to wipe out this ghastly menace, then the picture will not have failed in its purpose, because the dread of marijuana may be reaching forth next for your son or daughter or yours or yours. I do, one thing I really want to touch on at the end of the title scroll is that it like it blatantly admits to being propaganda. It's like, yeah, if this riles you up, then job done. We nailed this. And and people would like watch it and then just like I, I assume, you know, still let themselves uh, be riled up, assuming this movie worked and served its purpose. I just wonder if uh, this movie did have an effect on the marijuana market when it came out. I like, don't know I wonder if it actually worked or not. Yeah, I don't know about when it came out, but I know, like, this movie got rediscovered during the 60s and 70s and was, like, adapted by the counterculture movement as, like, kind of a movie to show how fucking stupid marijuana prohibition is. 
which fucking rules. So, you know, at a certain point, uh, this was kind of repurposed into uh, something that people made fun of. But I like to think that there was a hot minute, even if it was only for this film's premiere night, that it was shown to a, a theater full of uh, dads and moms and they watched it and it ended and they were like, yes. God damn yes. Like, do you remember Do you remember the feeling of your uh, grade 7 classroom when Coney 2012 came out? Yeah, dude. It was electric. In it was electric. That's how I feel uh, this, <laughs> the theater was after this movie stopped playing. Everyone's like, we got to fucking do something. And then they, like, made Facebook groups and someone was, like, naked in the streets jacking off. And a lot happens. <laughs> Is that what happened for Coney 2012? That was, that was what happened to the founder of Coney 2012. He lost. Uh, why do you think they never caught Coney? The guy who made the video was public masturbating and everyone was like, let's not even worry about this anymore. What? Yeah, bro. I genuinely thought Coney was still ripping around Africa in golf carts with his child soldier. Yeah, he is ripping around Africa because nobody gives a shit because the guy who tried to raise awareness was a street jacker offer. Oh, okay. I get it. I thought you were saying that Coney 2012 was never real. No, no, no. no. Coney 2012 is real. The guy who brought awareness, though, lost his mind and started public masturbating. So then we just wrote that whole thing off. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I thought it was just a character bit made up by this guy. You want to you want to get into this movie? What's what's the opening scene here? The so the opening scene, I think it's like a cop addressing the parent teacher association. I thought it was a cop. It's the principal. It's the principal of the parent teacher meeting. And he's like telling the parent teacher association that they're key in stamping out the scourge of marijuana. Like we can't do this without you. The devoted parents who funded this movie. <laughs> we can't do this script. without you. The guys who are smelling your kids' backpacks all the time. Yeah, my favorite part, though, is just like they're in the meeting and uh, the there's a quote. The principal, he says, suppressing marijuana is the most important task of this school board. Is it? Not the education of your students? Yeah, exactly. I was like, <laughs> uh, what about uh, everybody who's failing their tests all the time? Nobody knows how to read, and in order to teach them, we have to make them stop smoking weed first. Yeah. <laughs> like, this movie taught our parents that smoking weed is worse than failing out of school. Before you learn how to divide, we have to crush the neighborhood dope dealers. <laughs> <laughs> okay, kids, we're going to teach you math right after we teach you search one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, this shit's so fucking stupid. I love that kind of parent. I wish my parents had those kind of parent-teacher meetings. I think I would rather that than, like, I think I would rather my parents and my principal talk about my potential drug use than talk about how I'm failing social studies right now. Mine were always like, uh, he's got good grades, but he, like, doesn't seem to care about this enough. (laughs) And my parents would be like, that's like uh, with life, too. That's our boy. Always on the edge. (laughs) We're so proud of our boy. Always, always grasping for something to care for. Always willing to take a step off. <laughs> I got another good quote from that first scene, too, because right after that, he says, the traffic of marijuana is harder to stop than morphine, opium, and heroin. Yeah, no, no it's not. One, Only one of those things smell like shit and isn't a pill. <laughs> <laughs> also, all three of the other ones are the same drug. Yeah. Oh, also, for that part, that that whole sequence you're talking about, I wanted to bring up another point. Uh, they were, like, talking about, like, different ways that they could traffic weed. And it was like, 
within a pocket watch and he like takes off the face of a watch and there's weed inside it's like in the sole of a shoe and he rips open a shoe and there's like weed all in the soles and then it's like and in an, in an innocuous barrel and then they spin a barrel around and it's full of weed it's like what <laughs> <laughs> how is that the last place we would look <laughs> in a barrel <laughs> how is that like a high it's like damn this really was filmed in the 30s barrels must have just been around everywhere and nobody paid them a second thought yeah i guess eh? like you really weren't smuggling stuff through the airport back in the 30s it was mostly like on carts oh and they also like it was funny during the sequence too they had like a picture of a or like they had some footage of a grow up from the 30s they showed that did uh, i don't know if you caught it but they had like they zoomed in on the weed plant and it was the most trash weed i've ever seen in my entire life like (laughs) brad i went to the weed store the other day and i bought an eighth that looked so shitty that i almost took it back and demanded a refund and it still looked like 10 times better than what the shit they were smoking in the 30s was that was like a high profile bust like it really makes you feel thankful for the time that we've grown up yeah, I mean, I just think that everything was less good in the 30s. Like, even water somehow tasted worse. Like, everything was just less potent. Yeah, maybe. But, like, these guys were fucking off it with their weeds. So maybe it looked like shit and it hit right, you know? Like, back in the days, you'd smoke weed and it would feel like a cigarette. and You'd drink Kool-Aid and it would taste like LaCroix. That's what I think the 30s was like. Well, they weren't. It was a lot more strife. <laughs> but then he's talking about, uh, so he's they're in the meeting and he's talking about trafficking and why they have to stop it. And he's talking about how uh, this deadly drug is taking over our country at an unprecedented speed or whatever. And uh, then he lights a real cigarette. Yes. Like right after that it's like yeah they thought uh they thought smoking weed would kill you before anyone in the world thought that about like smoking darts at all yeah that that, that is so fun i love just like the lack of self-awareness in this movie it is Mwah, chef's kiss delicious i love it sorry what? if they put an accent a goo over the e in cigarettes you know that that would have been the one that they tried to stop first too (laughs) if cigarettes sounded a little mexican it'd be completely illegal just to put a little bit of spice into that name they call it a cigarito and it's all over (laughs) (laughs) oh man this movie is called sig madness (laughs) dart madness takes place in alberta cameras on a tuesday night (laughs) all the convenience stores are closed it's dart madness outside of the local fucking casino everybody (laughs) we're all trying to bum a dart no one has one (laughs) somebody find a cop and not for a testimony we need to ask him for a dart yeah, I really like the way this movie's done. Like, this whole movie is, uh, it's basically, like, told to this PTA group by the principal of the school. Like, during the meeting, he's like, let me tell you a little story. And then he starts telling, like, a story about, like, he tells you the actual movie events. Like, all, you know, the drug dealer and all the the drug dealers and all the kids that are involved. But, like, a lot of shit that he should have no idea about, like... He relays a lot of conversations that he was not present for, word for word. So that can only mean that uh, Dr. Carroll is an an omniscient, uh, Lovecraftian, eldritch being who is able to see not only the past and present, but also knows the future. 
Yeah, dude, he's so fucking high that he knows what everyone said for the whole movie. I was having fun watching this, imagining that all the people, like, chasing after the drug guys are uh, also high, and they're just doing that thing that people used to do when you were younger, being like, no, you're fucked up. (laughs) You're fucked. Trust me, dude. You can't see how you look right now. You're fucked. (laughs) <laughs> they're just trying to convince themselves that they're not the most fucked up ones in this town. We've all been there. And it, it, hey, if you got to arrest a couple of people to make yourself feel better, who am I to tell you you're wrong? Hey, listen, buddy, I'm having a panic attack. I'm taking you to jail right now. <laughs> I'm out. You got to go or I'm going to lose it. <laughs> yeah. So it, the principal's like, let me tell you, let me weave a tale for let, you. Yeah, and let then me I... tell you a little story. Yeah, cuts to the fanciest weed dealers I've ever seen in my life who exclusively only sell half-gram joints and also never ask anybody for payment on screen. Yeah. They're, like, wearing suits and, like, you know, fucking... Oh, yeah, they're just, like, dressed to the nines. Like It kind of pissed me off watching uh, these guys wear suits and sell drugs and, like, thinking back to me being 16, buying weed off a guy in his Honda Civic and just, like... Why wouldn't you dress up a little bit more for this, man? This yeah, is your business. Really takes you bad, takes me back to buying weed and not having pockets to hide it in. So it's just waistbanded the whole way home. Yeah, waistbanded in your drug dealer's workout shorts. Yeah, so it's fun. Pro- to, to think that we started off wearing suits, uh, you know, doing moneyless transactions in high-class apartments to go to, you know, wearing basketball shorts in the alley, like... Fuck you, Prohibition. Fuck you, this movie. Yeah, the 1930s was the golden era of getting chooched. Yeah, the intro to this movie uh, really kind of, it made me laugh. Jack, he, uh, so May and Jack, they're the two drug dealers of this movie, like the two main dealers. Uh, and Jack, like, violently wakes May up. Uh, yeah. Like, in the middle, I, don't, I guess it's the morning. The movie's in black and white, so you can't tell how light or dark it is outside. Uh, yeah, I think it's like a late morning right because they're trying to show that weed makes you bad at your job by showing this landlord sleeping in that was that was the impression i got but she's not the landlord like they just live there you know so like jack like violently wakes her up and tells her to start cleaning like the movie frames it like a may is the lazy one for sleeping and not being awake and cleaning and not that jack is a fucking lunatic for violently waking up his wife and being like hey why why is this so dirty around here (laughs) bro you've been up and at him for six straight hours already why don't you just use some of that energy you're wearing a suit and your hair is greased like just fucking do some dishes jack (laughs) yeah yeah i don't know i just thought they were trying to show that she was doing a bad job and then but I thought to myself, well, maybe that actually just shows that smoking weed makes you way too chill to have an exploitative job, you know? Maybe. I mean, yeah, it's like if she wasn't smoking weed, what would she be doing? Going, Waking up at 7 in the morning to some minimum wage job? Uh, that fucking sucks. And it's not like she's going to have any room for progression. She's a woman in the 30s, Bradley. <laughs> <laughs> But now she's, you know, she's operating outside the law. She's a small business owner. She's doing better than any other woman of her era was. And she's demonized. Any woman starting a small business in the 30s was operating outside of the law. And she's like, she's the more business minded, like between Jack and May. May is definitely the good drug dealer. Like she only wants to sell shit to adults. But Jack, he like, he keeps trying to lure kids back to the place to smoke dope. 
yeah which is so weird that she just like accepts that that's something her husband does yeah there's this whole part of the uh part of the movie where they're discussing which clients they're gonna try to hustle today and then may's like uh why don't you get some of the men from the watering hole and he's like no i'm going to the high school you dumbass and it's not even like he ever does anything questionable with the kids either it just seems like he genuinely prefers to hang out with high school students (laughs) (laughs) he just likes their company (laughs) in the 30s they had guys who peaked in high school too (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I guess so. You know what? I'll give you that. That must have been Jack. He, he, I bet Jack was like the guy who kept showing up to his high school again and being like, remember me? And like was trying to vibe with the teachers and you know those kids. But yeah, Jack's strategy of only selling at high schools, that like, I don't know, that seems pretty realistic to me because like I'm sure that when you were in high school, you knew a couple dudes who only liked hanging out with people in high school, right? Yeah, yeah, actually, yeah, I definitely did know those guys. So, yeah, I, I will say that that is wildly accurate. I, it's just that none of them dressed perfectly in suits. They all drove <laughs> yeah. blacked-out BMWs that are, you know, that were older than both of us and had AK-4, or at least kept telling me they had AK-47s in the trunk. <laughs> so, you know, it's a different type of dude, but the same type of dude nonetheless. Yeah, man, for me it was... I mean, they would never lie about having AK-47s. They would just lie. They about did have AK-47s. <laughs> yeah, man. Well, you grew up in the suburbs, you know. I I grew up in the in, in Collingwood. Yeah, you grew <laughs> up in the city. The big city. But yeah, so the next scene is uh, Jack in the streets. We meet uh, one of Jack's uh, street men, I guess, because Jack and May they've got a couple associates working under them. Uh, they've got Ralph. He's like an older college dropout turned uh, dope fiend drug dealer. I love Ralph, man. The, like when we get to the high school, the, it's like the first thing they show is uh, all the students talking about how Ralph is like this weird, creepy old guy who keeps trying to come to their party. Oh, it rules. One of the kids is like, yeah, my dad said not to hang out with Ralph. It's like your dad is super smart. <laughs> <laughs> but that just made me think like, oh, this movie is not about the dangers of weed. It's about the dangers of extremely cool pedophile. <laughs> Yeah, Like, Ralph isn't trying to be their friend. I think he's just a pervert with drugs. I wish this movie was just about uh, the dangers of older kids who like to hang out with high school students. <laughs> I think that we should, we should remake this movie, and it's called Older Kids Who Hang Out With High School Students Madness. And it's just about us trying to, like, you know, explain to kids who are currently in high school, like, hey, you're not super cool. You're not cooler than all these other high school kids. That guy's just a fucking loser. uh hey girl you're not more popular than all your friends it's just that uh this 25 year old has no other people that will talk to him yeah exactly and i think that that's a valuable movie that should be seen by a lot of people (laughs) yeah like i think that would do real help in this world (laughs) it's insane to me that every movie is about the dangers of drugs but no one ever talks about the dangers of drug dealers that's all it is. And, like, they all get drug dealers wrong. Like, this movie was somewhat... This movie was almost accurate in drug dealers. And also, it was almost accurate in the situations people get pressured into doing drugs. But we'll talk about that uh, a little later. This movie shouldn't have been about don't do drugs. It should have been about don't take drugs from creepy guys. Yeah, it should have just... Yeah. <laughs> do drugs, but make sure you pay. Okay, so uh, Jack and Ralph... 
They're like hanging out in the streets trying to pick up some uh, high school kids to smoke chronic, which I think it's insane that they have to like introduce people to weed and it's not like people searching them out to smoke weed. Is it the 30s or is it just like a, a misconception of um, of drug culture? Because this was also explained to me that like, you know, when I was doing D.A.R.E. program program in sixth grade, that like drug dealers are going to come to me and try and get me hooked on their shit. It's like, no, they're not. They have enough customers. It's like, it's up to me to get hooked on drugs. Yeah, that's actually a good point. I just kind of always assumed that back in the old days, like drug dealers didn't have a lot of business all the time, you know? Maybe. Maybe these people just hadn't heard of weed. Yeah, because I think that, uh, I think people used to be like, uh, people used to try to have better reputations back in the day, you know what I mean? So, like, if if someone told you that smoking weed made you a loser, like, no one would do it back in the 30s. But now everybody does do it because we think being a loser is tight. Yeah, we're just like, oh, I'm already a fucking loser. Yeah, we think we're worse than losers. It's like, well, I'm a I'm a useless stain on the face of this planet, so... Maybe yeah, if I'll, I smoke weed, it'll doink. upgrade me to being a loser. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> maybe I can just be a loser. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. That's just kind of what I always thought. I thought drug dealers used to have to search you out. But I did get told in the D.A.R.E. program that drug dealers would search me out. Yeah, I was told that, too. They never did. It's been um, a real fucking pain in the ass to find drug dealers over the course of my life. And frankly, I wasn't ready for that. That's, like, one of the things schools should teach you. Like, they should teach you about, like, you know paying taxes and how to find drug dealers two important life skills that frankly i still am not good at how to, at least how to judge a book by its cover yes <laughs> if you don't want to show me how to find a drug dealer show me how to figure out who that i have found already is a drug dealer. yeah give me the tools to piece it together myself teach a man or give a man a fish and he eats for a day but you teach a man how to find a drug dealer and he's incoherently high for the rest of his life Amen, brother. Amen. Okay, so Jack and Ralph, they uh, they approach the kids on the street. Uh, this group of uh, high school students, I'll rattle them off real quick. We got uh, Bill. He's like the nice young man of the group who uh, I think you're supposed to, uh, you the viewer are supposed to relate to. Uh, you got Mary. She's uh, Bill's sweetheart. And also uh, Jimmy, who's Mary's uh, brother and also uh, a future degenerate. Mm-hmm. So anyway, Jack and Ralph come over to invite uh, all of the gang, all the kids, to go uh, to hang out at a malt bar or something and dance, <laughs> which is very 1930s. What's a malt bar? Yeah, I think it's just like a bar where they only serve milkshakes. Because what ends up happening is... Uh, Why is it called malt? Because that's what they used to call it back in the 1930s. Oh, it was called that before milk? Let me Google this for a second, because I'm wondering, too. I shouldn't have just said this without being able to answer this. There's some people who say milk and some people who say malk. Like, do you think it used to be called malt, and that's why some people call it malk? Malt? Anyway, that was a riff I thought of. It was pretty good. I'm sorry I wasn't uh, on the ball for that riff. I was trying to Google what malt was, and I could not find out the answer. But anyway, we should say Bill and Mary, they decided they were too good for that degeneracy. They just wanted to go on a date by themselves. Uh, Jimmy, he hops out of the car and he heads over with Jack and Ralph to the malt bar. And uh, 
Yeah, they're just fucking chilling at this uh, malt bar. It's like a weird ass. It looks like a bar. They only serve milkshakes. It's a bunch of teenagers. They're dancing to the piano. Just one guy playing the piano, which it struck me as a very weird vibe in there. Yeah. Just like going crazy to the sounds of one man on the piano. <laughs> yeah, that is insane. Music it used to be really stupid, dude. Yeah. It almost seemed like a little insulting. Like if I was playing the piano and there was 30 people around me dancing that hard, I'd be like, all right, fucking cool it, you guys. <laughs> like, I, I know. I know. We have one piano. I know. You don't have to rub it in. <laughs> <laughs> I know you guys are all in line. But I'm not done with the piano right now. They they just used to talk so fucked in the 30s. Like I, That's what I like mostly about this movie because they walk in and see him playing the piano like relatively well, I guess. I can't tell what's good piano playing, but they walk in and look at him playing it. And then uh, uh, the kid is like, uh, say, he ain't no paper boy. He ain't no paper boy. See, that's old Firefingers McGillicuddy tearing up the keys. That's what they call him, like some fucking stupid, goofy ass name. Nobody's tried weed yet, but I'm convinced everyone's high as shit after he said that line. Why? Yeah, oh, that's old Fastfingers McGillicuddy. I would shoot you in the face if you called me old fast fingers as I was trying to play the piano. I would shoot you in the face with a gun I didn't need a license for because it's the 30s. <laughs> he's not even playing the piano good either. He's just doing it fast. He, he's playing a song that sounds like you'd hear it after the closing joke of a carnival, you know? it's like that type of shit and all the kids are like going ham you know dancing their hearts out and then uh, jive right now this is my jiving song uh i want to say though at a certain point during the dancing the piano player just gets up and leaves uh and then some other guy like jimmy hops on piano which like imagine imagine you're at you're at a bar and the dj gets up to take a piss go for a smoke whatever and you notice the booth is empty and you just like hop in and start playing your own shit (laughs) the second i see an empty dj booth i'm jumping in there i'm taking the aux cord and i am playing lose yourself (laughs) at max volume i just get on there i'm like hey you guys ever heard of logic (laughs) (laughs) anyone in here heard the marshall mathers lp2 from front to back Man, yeah, so Jimmy gets on. Yeah, that's not something that clubs with entertainers can do. Like, you can't just have a random guy who believes in himself tap in when the band gets tired. I think you should be allowed to. That's basically like what a karaoke bar is, essentially. Except that nobody is good. (laughs) Except they don't have one guy who's, it's his job. I think you used to be allowed to, and then one night the the rule changed. Like, there was this Metallica (laughs) concert going on, right? And they were like, okay, we're sleeping, we're tagging somebody in. And then Nickelback got on stage, and everybody was like, okay, no more of that. Yeah, I think that happened, or what we were describing earlier happened, and somebody just kept playing white rap the entire time. (laughs) (laughs) Cover to cover white rap albums. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Man, can you imagine tagging in in like a cocktail lounge? This lady's Man. just singing like beautiful love songs. You go up, you do a set full of Eminem songs. I would love to do that. Like, it's not even like a medley of Eminem songs. It's just like cover to cover L- Eminem albums. 
You're just like, it's perfect already. I didn't even need to change it. <laughs> He's a master of the craft. <laughs> you just perform relapse. You're just like chilling to Eminem together. <laughs> <laughs> you get on mic sometimes. You're like, whoa. You know, you're not even adding anything. You're just like, I love this one. <laughs> Go Marshall. There's something that kills me about like the mental image of like maybe like 15 to 20 dudes in a basement together. I'm talking all dudes just listening to <laughs> just listening to Eminem and sitting and like nodding their heads just vibing, you know? You're literally describing what I was doing when I first discovered smoking weed. Friday night, the boys pull up to Jesse's house and we listen to lyrical rap silently together. <laughs> 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 we all listen to Good Kid Mad City for the first time and we're like, damn, we're the good kids. And um, this is the Mad City. <laughs> uh, That's but, the best part about weed, though, is you can listen to an album about Compton while you're in the <laughs> richest part of the whitest city in Canada and you're like, yeah, this is relatable. Yeah, I'm sitting in my second story bedroom at my parents' house that's bigger in the bedroom, bigger than the bedroom I live in currently. Thinking like, yeah, me and Kendrick, we're not so different. <laughs> I'm going to meet Kendrick one day and he's going to relate to me. Me and Kendrick, we're both out here dying of thirst. Um, and someone's going to sing about us. <laughs> also, yeah, nobody notices that the piano player is smoking a joint in the closet of this bar. Yeah, no, I was going to say like the piano player, he just goes and like... Not even to, like, you know, down the hall or something. He just, like, goes into the broom closet and lights up a joint and, like, starts chiefing that thing hard. Like, it's the way that I smoke weed at comedy shows when I know that an open micer's around the corner about to ask me for a hit, you know? <laughs> like, I'm just trying to get it in me. I just think that part of the movie, like, it taught our parents to always be on the guard for weed but never recognize when it's there, right? Like... It taught our parents to always search you for weed, but never find it. This it, movie is why your dad looks through your backpack, but never checks your sock. That whole scene, like, it really bummed me out that I never got to smoke weed during the time that smoking indoors was legal. Because, like, do you think that all the cigarette smoke just, like, dulled everyone's smell so much that it, like, masked, you know, the dope smoke that was coming out of the closet? That's really tough for, question for me to answer. I, and also... You know, it's 30s weed. Like, it smell. It probably doesn't even smell like how weed smells, you know? It probably just smells like, uh, you know, like when it rains and you can smell like wet dirt? Yes, it probably smells like that, but hot. Yeah, or like, you know when you, like, uh, find one of your old hats on the ground and you smell the inside of it and it smells like old scalp? Yeah, and it's like, yeah, it's like a smell that you never would ever smell in your regular life if you didn't wear a hat for a really long time without washing it. <laughs> yeah, that's, I think that's what old timey weed smells. <laughs> <laughs> the indescribable smell of <laughs> weak old hat. <laughs> Man, <laughs> pre owned toque. <laughs> that, that is distinct. Yeah. I bought a new toque. I bought a new toque like a month ago, and I've been smelling it every day to try and figure out like when it stops smelling like a toque and starts smelling like my head. Six weeks is the answer. Huh? I thought I kind of was of the opinion that the smell changed so gradually you wouldn't even notice. It does, but like there's a you know there there there's a point where you smell it and you're like, oh, that is head. That is has you know that is only head. 
That's all pert plus, baby. There's this thing I do with uh, <laughs> that's all pert plus two and one. <laughs> Shout out to Drew Bame, everybody. We love Drew. Love Drew. Yeah, there's this thing I do when I get new shirts where I just wear it like until I can't anymore because it smells too bad. Oh, yeah, I'm familiar. I'm familiar with that thing you do. Yeah, what happens with <laughs> shirts is that it starts to turn, but you don't notice that it has turned until after it's all the way gone. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> like there's a middle ground, but, you know, forget about that. You only know when it's clean or when it's weeks filthy, when it's weeks past where you should have been wearing it. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody is better at knowing when I should stop wearing my shirts than me. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, while that little malt bar shindig is happening, you want to talk about the date? Because it's one of the weirdest dates I've ever seen. Um. Yeah, you start us here, though. Bill's date with Mary. So uh, Bill goes to Mary's place, which sounds like the name of an old swing song. Uh, and he... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> sounds like it's a Beatles lyric. It really does. <laughs> Bill goes to Mary's place. I'm pretty sure it is a line from Ob- from uh, Life Goes On. Yeah, Google it. Let us know in the... Co- like, comment, subscribe if this is a, a line from uh, Life Goes On. Billy says to Mary, girl, I like your face. And as he says it, she begins to. Yeah, so it is. Uh, but yeah, the, the date is like they're like supposed to be studying math or like doing math homework or something. And Bill's like, before we do uh, this math homework, let's say, uh, read a, let's say we read some Romeo and Juliet. Wait, wait, and... hold up. B- before they start that, I had something that happened right before. Okay. Right as they walk into uh, the living room and like get to s- ready to start, they sit down and Mary goes, "Thanks for helping me study." And Bill goes, "No problem. I'll do anything except domestic science." <laughs> Mary s- Mary says to him, "Bill, don't you want to learn about running your own home?" And Bill says, "Fuck no." And uh, that makes me. Do you think they had a s- class called domestic science? doesn't say fuck no yeah bro i'm sure that they did because they had a like we didn't have it but like i was talking to charles charles was telling me he did home ec classes and that's like that's just like you know cooking and cleaning type of shit sewing so i'm sure that 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 was uh what, what what did they call it domestic science yeah I'm sure that was the politically incorrect term they were calling it in the 80s or in the 30s. And I'm sure like that was the that was like the progressive version of what they called it in the 20s, which was girl science. <laughs> Fuck, I was going to make that joke. You <laughs> but yeah, that's crazy to me. Like there's like six subjects uh, and, and then there's one that dudes don't have to study. <laughs> and it's like the only su- uh, subject that's important also. Yeah, the one you'll definitely need. I don't know physics. Like, they taught me how to do physics. I don't know how to do physics. And I also don't know how to cook or clean for myself. So, you know. So, you didn't do either of the sciences. I guess not. Maybe I should have done domestic sciences instead of physics and biology. Yeah. So, then um, they sit down after they're done, after Bill's done dunking on how stupid domestic science is. They sit down and Bill's like, before we start, what if we read a little bit of Romeo and Juliet? 
And then they just start like reciting lines from Romeo and Juliet together, acting like they can understand a single word that's being said. <laughs> well, I thought it was flirting. I think that before movies existed, you used to have to invite a girl over to your house to watch you read a play. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, playwright and chill. Is that what they called it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> before there was Netflix, you had to just pick one of the four plays your mother had off the shelf. I was I was just imagining, you know, when you're like watching Netflix with a girl and you start making out and there's just like Netflix running in the background now. Yeah. Do you think the like the playwright and chill version of that is a girl just like kissing your neck while you're like doing a soliloquy? <laughs> <laughs> you're just like locked in like to be or not to be. That is the question. <laughs> She's like getting your dick sucked and you're like, heart Benvolio. <laughs> I can't think of a worse date. <laughs> Neither. Tried for hours. I can't I also think of can't, a worse. I also can't think of a date a girl would love more than to come over to my place and have me recite Shakespeare at her. I don't know, dude. I think I think most girls would hate that. I date really smart girls. Hey, babe, you want to come listen to me fuck up English for an hour? <laughs> you want to listen to me mispronounce old English? <laughs> That's what it would be. No girl is coming over to watch you do that. Hey, babe, you want to come over and pretend like I know what I'm saying? The only worse first date I can think of than reading a girl a play is the first date where... Uh, it's also your wedding day <laughs> like if i had to read to women i would just say fuck it i'll get an arranged marriage <laughs> yeah i think the only worst date is if i brought her over and i was like can you read this for me i honestly don't even think i could pull that off though reading a like a a piece of romeo and juliet out loud to a lady because when i had to read like actual english that we use in school i would just fuck up words that i know all the time Oh yeah, bro. I did. A, I had to do a Hamlet soliloquy in front of my whole class. I did to be or not to be. That is the question. And then I think I said something else. And then I uh, sat back down and took a thirty percent on that presentation. Mm. Like I can't recite Shakespeare. That was my first. I was fifteen years old. That was my first bomb. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. It was awful. But anyway, I wanted to, that whole Shakespeare thing was leading up to like they do all that Shakespeare, the Romeo and Juliet shit, and it leads up to them kissing. And then the camera just like cuts to the mom, like peeking around the corner, watching her daughter make out with her boyfriend for like probably four seconds, like four, you know, like one one thousand, two one thousand, three one thousand, four one thousand. Like it's not that long, but it's a long time to watch your daughter make out with somebody. So I don't know. Hopefully she got something out of that, you know. Uh, but <laughs> this was the this was the first stepmom video ever filmed. Yeah. And then Bill just like awkwardly excuses himself after that. Yeah, we go back to Bill's house, and then it just kind of establishes there that he's like a perfect, you know, perfect man and son. His uh, little brother, like, really looks up to him, tries to get him to fix his model plane. He's like, you can fix everything, Bill. You're a genius. And, uh, yeah, that's kind of all that happens there, unless you have anything to add. Only thing I wrote down for this section is little brother, way too self-confident to be a child. I think he has dwarfism. <laughs> you know what that actually made me think that uh i was gonna say that little brother i think he gives the he's on screen for probably 45 seconds and i think he gives the best performance of this whole movie he really does like he's, he's consistent the whole 
he's consistent. He's enthusiastic. He's like ribbing his brother like, you know, his brother's got a new girlfriend. And he's like, ah, shucks. You know, I'm just kidding, big bro. I love you so much. You you mean the world to me. I think you're so smart. Like, he's really selling this fucking weird little brother energy he's got going. That's what, like, all little kids had to act like in old-timey shit, though. And it makes me wonder. You know why that is? Why? Because you could hit kids back in that time. They were always trying to get on your good side. <laughs> Bro, I was just about to ask you, like, do you think there ever was a time where society was like that wholesome all the time? And I guess, yeah, it would have been when kids were allowed to get hit. Yes, it was. Society was that wholesome when there was uh, that imminent threat of violence in the air. I, I would have been way less of a bitch in the grocery store if my mother was allowed to carry a switch. <laughs> yeah, I, I would never act out if uh, <laughs> if I could have this shit kicked out of me. If I if I was my parents' property, I would be a much better child. As um, would I. And but and then it would make our whole family happier in general. Maybe this movie taught our parents, hit your kids no matter what they say. Yeah, the world, not just your family, but the whole world will be better for it. (laughs) (laughs) All of society needs you to hit your kid. (laughs) America's going to collapse if you don't hit your kid. (laughs) Okay, so the next day, uh, Ralph, Blanche, and Jimmy, the Bad Influence Gang, uh, they pressure Bill into coming back to uh, the dope apartment, May and uh, and Jack's dope dope house, which, may I say once more, is literally the nicest apartment I have ever seen in my life. Um, and may I say that May and Jack's dope house is pr- honestly one of the best names for a bar I've ever heard in my life. Oh, shit, dude. You want to start? May and Jack's Dope House, and it's a barbecue joint that is also a dispensary. That would honestly be pretty good. Yeah, forget about this co- podcast and stand-up comedy and all our aspirations. Me and Brad are opening a barbecue joint. We just riffed out a new dream. Sorry, <laughs> comedy, you're awesome. You guys can still have a steak in our restaurant, however you want to negotiate that. <laughs> we should try to sell a restaurant to an agency. Yeah, yeah, we should do a Netflix pitch and just completely misunderstand what they do. Pitching <laughs> <laughs> Netflix on investing in our restaurant. And they're like, this is a movie company and we're like, yeah, no, we're going to have movie we're going to have TVs in the restaurant. We're going to have we're, all sorts of movies are going to be playing in the restaurant. Every customer will be able to watch a movie on their phone if they want while they eat. <laughs> so yeah, no, we we know what you do. <laughs> Um, okay, so he gets convinced to go to the party, right? Yeah, convinced to go to, uh, go, go to, uh, yeah, go to the party, and, uh, they get to the party, and it's just, just, like, a bunch of people, you know, all the kids that we've met before, they're all swing dancing, playing jazz music, going crazy on the piano, uh, on the piano. The first thing I thought when I, this scene started is just, like, parties didn't look like they were fun back then. Oh, I thought that looked insane to me. Really? Well, I mean, like, that's like, that's like, the, the, I feel like the modern day equivalent of that would be like walking into like your place or something. And it's like your Beats Pill is playing the latest King Vaughn track and we're all fucking dancing in the living room. It's like, that's, you know, objectively kind of a weird sight. But if that'd be a blast, quite frankly. Yeah, it'd be fun. But I just thought it didn't look like this party looked lame because as soon as you enter it's just like uh, everybody is sitting in boy girl boy girl pairs on the couch and they're just being quiet that's the 30s though 
that reminded me of Christmas at my grandparents where you just have <laughs> to sit there and be respectful until somebody gives you a present. Yeah, you partner off until you can go home. <laughs> yeah. You find someone you ally yourself with. That's yeah, that's like every family gathering. It's like who am I the most on the same page with today? And then I meet a cousin and I shit talk everyone else. I think if our parties stayed being as lame as they were in this movie, then America would still be the number one country in the world. I think the reason America fell from the top spot is because their parties got so fun that they stopped liking being racist and stealing land anymore. Yeah, I think we're going to be able to trace the uh, uh, the beginning of the downfall of the American empire to the uh, start of the uh, increase in uh, rave culture. Yeah, did you know that when Project X came out, that was the year that we lost the Iraq War? All I'm just all I'm saying is people started throwing keg parties and all of a sudden every American stopped wanting to invade. <laughs> and look at us now. That's how I'm going to find a way to blame Jonah Hill for the downfall of the American Empire. How? How why Jonah Hill? Cuz didn't he do Project X? I, I I've never seen Project X. I don't think he did though. Can you just, cut that riff before I ruin it? No, let's keep her in because I, I just want to... I think I, I really love the idea of Jonah Hill, like a guy who obviously never got invited to high school parties, making a movie about like the ultimate high school party. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's a good point. He probably didn't make Project X because he probably didn't go to any. <laughs> yeah, he, what would he draw off of? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> that's true uh project x was actually made by all the guys in nickelback yeah a bunch of guy with muscles who are really cool and uh popular but uh so anyway they're at the party like you were saying they all partnered off into boy girl boy girl pairs uh but uh bill bill's uh bill's sweetheart isn't in the house tonight so uh bill he partners off with uh old blanche blanche the dope siren and uh Blanche, uh, she like pressures, um, I get like vaguely pressures uh, uh, Bill into trying drugs. He uh, he like goes to like smoke a cigarette, and she's like, uh, "Try one of my cigarettes," and then gives him like a joint, and he you know starts starts smoking it. Which of all the things that's happened in this movie, I think that's been the most accurate representation of what actual peer pressure to try drugs is like. Like, it's not a drug dealer on the streets being like, hey, you want some of this? It's a hot girl at a party who you're trying to impress, and she's not doing anything wrong. You just want her to think you're cool, so you'll try whatever you gotta try to make her like you. Yeah, except it's still a little unrealistic, because uh, for me, I wouldn't have talked to the girl yet before I started trying to impress her. Oh, yeah, of course. And, uh... For me, it would have been a way scarier drug that was being offered. Yeah, like the girl would have just had no idea that I was even trying to impress her because she <laughs> wouldn't know that I existed or my name. <laughs> yeah, she honestly thought you were furniture for the most for most of the party. <laughs> so it sort of is still a little unrealistic. <laughs> but I also think I think that is disrespectful as hell to trick him into smoking weed by telling him it's a cigarette. Because I think that just taught Bill Cosby his modus operandi. He just I, uh, put his own spin on what they did at the party. He tagged it. I don't like all this dosing that happens in this movie. Like, nobody's really being pressured into doing drugs. It's just like, your kids smoke their uh, think they're smoking harmless cigarettes when really they're smoking uh, the devil's doink. 
you know like it's yeah. and also no like we were saying at the beginning of this nobody notices that they're smoking weed ever <laughs> like bill just keeps chilling <laughs> yeah he doesn't it's like man it's like if i came up to you like when you had a headache and i was like put that advil down man i got tylenol extra strength and then you take it and find out it's xanax <laughs> yeah and then i'm just like but it, you know this is still pretty good though yeah dude it's like taking it me taking it and not thinking i'm on xanax yeah it's like me thinking it and being taking it and being like damn i really overcame this headache <laughs> i overcame this headache so good that i can't walk anymore i overcame this headache and then some <laughs> i overcame this headache and also the burden of having to stand up all the time yeah so at first he's like a little apprehensive about smoking the joint that she gives him right and uh and then she's like, oh, it's fine if you're scared, but this is just something me and all my friends do. And that's like the accurate peer pressure, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That That is pretty accurate peer pressure where it's like, you don't have to do it. Like where they're nice about it, it's like you don't have to do it if you don't want to. But me personally, I want to. <laughs> no one will call you a pussy, but they'll all know that you are. Yeah, they'll make you feel like one. That's modern peer pressure. <laughs> <laughs> but so this party, this dope party's in full swing. The piano's a roaring. Jazz music's playing. Uh, and then Jack and May realize that they're out of weed darts. And Jack is uh, furious. He, it, like furious, not that they're out of darts, but furious at May for not noticing that they're out of darts, which I really love. Uh, it's like a very 1930s energy of, uh, you know, just like projecting your shortcomings onto whoever's around. Yeah. And like that energy continued up to, and probably still today, but at least up to uh, when we fucking covered The Hills Have Eyes two weeks ago. That's like a key part in that movie too. And uh, that bullshit's been around since the 30s. <laughs> From the 30s to the 90s, baby. Yeah, we're blaming our wives on our fuck-ups. America's greatest legacy. Yeah. And uh, so then Jack gets uh, Jimmy to give him a ride to go pick up, uh, uh, you know, some more uh, weed cigarettes from uh, the supplier. And uh, as they're, like, chilling outside, uh, Jack offers Jimmy a, a cigarette. But unbeknownst to Jimmy, it is a marijuana cigarette. And he smokes that fat doink and falls into a marijuana-induced delirium. And uh, speeds down the street, striking and killing a pedestrian. And then he just, like, drives away. And one thing about that whole sequence is weed doesn't make you drive fast. Yeah, it makes you go slow. But one thing about the sequence immediately before that is uh, while he's driving down the street speeding, uh, Jack goes, hey, take it easy. You might kill somebody. And then it cuts to the the speedometer and it shows he's going, like, 43. (laughs) When they show it on screen, though, like, it looks fast. And, like, I wasn't even looking to read the speedometer. They were just like, but I also, like, they're pa- it's not like they're passing out other cars. Like, they're passing out pedestrians and people walking. So they're, they're going regular. Yeah, they are going regular. Mostly what I've noticed. But, yeah, and then I like that uh, after they run the guy over, that neither of them notice. Like, no one says a word about it or is like, oh, I wonder what that bump was. Yeah, I guess not. I guess not. <laughs> I I was under the impression that Jimmy was just like too doped up to notice that he killed somebody and that Jack wanted to hold it down for him cuz that's what happens later on as Jack is like, "Hey, you know, uh, there's no evidence or whatever." Oh, that's true, yeah. I don't yeah. know. I just thought that if they had noticed, you would have heard them say something. You you would think so. 
You really, you really, really would think so. But like, uh, I don't know. A lot of shit happens off screen in this movie because apparently, like, Bill has a whole descent into being a dope smoker, bad student. Like so much so, in the next scene, it's Doctor Carol like intervening, uh, like intervening with him at school, and like talking about like, oh, you know, you're a bad kid. I, I've noticed you. What What does he say? He's like, um. Oh, yeah, he's like, I'd noticed you're hanging out with a group uh, of undesirables, which, like, these are the richest people I've ever seen, once once again. They're all wearing suits, they have slicked back hair, and they live in a beautiful high-rise apartment. Like, they are anything but undesirable. And they also have, like, a house full of weed. Like, I very much desire to be these people's friends. Yeah. Um, yeah, they have a retirement plan, a lot of money, and a lot of future money also coming in. Yeah. Seems like uh, they achieved the American dream. Yeah. But yeah, as we were saying, so uh, Dr. Carroll's trying to, like, scare Bill straight by telling him about a young boy, a reefer smoker, who killed his whole family with an axe. And then he's like, it happens every day. Like, no, it doesn't. But how many times does that happen where it's a dad and they're drunk? <laughs> Oh shit. Usually, right? That's true. Like pretty frequent like that's not unheard of. It doesn't happen every day, but it happens some days. <laughs> you can take unlimited bong rips and you'll never stab anyone, but one sip of wine, all of a sudden your wife, she's gone. And so like I guess Bill's able to see th- see through uh, old Dr. Carroll's bullshit and like he doesn't flip on his friends. You know, he tries to get him to snitch on him, but Bill's from the streets now and he doesn't snitch. <laughs> yeah, once you smoke weed, you become from the streets. Can you imagine like getting called into a like an office to get yelled at about your drug use but it was in the era where everybody had to wear suits you're like who fucking cares what i snort i'm in a three-piece suit right now i can if i can figure out how to get this on my body i'm clearly doing something right yeah that's called being a high functioning drug addict dude i can't (laughs) tie a tie right now (laughs) <laughs> if any of these people can tie a tie they're doing better than me bro i can't operate buttons i just use velcro and snaps <laughs> <laughs> all my dress shirts are velcro <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's like this movie taught our parents they can act however they want as long as they're wearing a golf shirt like that's why all dads always wear golf shirts you think that this is like what added to like the the drug panic of the 80s like people saw this movie and then they saw their kids now who are smoking dope and they're not even like they're just wearing (laughs) t-shirts and it's like what does this generation come to yeah parents are like yeah kids are always gonna smoke weed that's not what we care about we care about what they do after yeah I, i i want joints in my kids hands and suits on their body that's it it's not I don't care about where they go at night. I just care about what they're wearing. <laughs> My son can smoke whatever he wants as long as some of the ash falls on his boat. <laughs> as long as he has a little pocket square to wipe away the ash. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Bill ignores his bitch-ass teacher to go hang out at the dope house where uh, he gets uh, lured into having uh, premarital sex with Blanche. Yes. And that's framed as a bad thing for some reason. Yeah, but... You- I think you're missing a scene again, though. Am I? What what, what scene? Because it cuts to the tennis court, right? And uh, oh Bill's, yeah, shit, yeah. Bill's girlfriend is there waiting for him. Yes, I forgot about that. Yeah, it cuts to the tennis court. Bill's girlfriend's there waiting for him. Bill no shows. 
Because get this, Bill is supposed to be an exceptional tennis player. Another thing that's explained off screen. And, uh... <laughs> Man. Yeah, and so uh, Bill's friend comes up to his girlfriend and is like, oh, if you're looking for Bill, tough luck because he hasn't played for weeks. Yep. And it's like, yeah, maybe that means weed is good. Like, maybe if you do a drug and it makes you play less tennis, you should keep doing it. Yeah, maybe it reali- uh, it made him realize that he didn't like playing tennis very much. <laughs> maybe maybe my man Bill smoked weed and realized that his parents just enrolled him in a sport that they liked. They didn't stop to question whether he wanted to play tennis or not. And now here my man is finally thinking for himself, and he's like, fuck this, actually. I'm going to go live my own life. <laughs> yeah, the people who wrote this movie were not as connected to their emotions as we are, dude. No, I'm very in touch with how I feel and and with how Bill feels. I see a lot of myself in Bill. Yeah. Especially the dope smoking and the having premarital sex aspects of Bill's character. <laughs> then after that, we go to the party house. This is where Bill is instead of playing tennis. Yeah. He about to fuck. Yeah. Or as I call call that man tennis um Mm -hmm. he's about to serve his balls yep about to about to play a different kind of doubles and woo uh, woo. and uh yeah gets 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 lured into having premarital sex with blanche and actually when you cheat on your girlfriend i think you're playing singles not doubles. (laughs) hey let's go okay man we are on fire with these with these npr riffs today yeah, no, it's like framed as a very bad thing. Like they bang, and then uh, uh, Bill's just there. Like he's got his hands in his face with shame, which I don't know. I can't relate to that experience. Well, because he feels bad for cheating on his girlfriend. See, were that me, I would feel cool for having sex with two girls. <laughs> yeah, if that was me, I would put on a t shirt and high five myself. So, but yeah, so, it's, but it's like, well, Bill's fucking uh, the. The people who sell the drugs, they're just arguing with each other. And that's another part of the movie where it shows us that the people who only drink have worse lives than the people who do drugs. The drug Uh, dealers drink and their lives are going to shit. Bill is high out of his goddamn mind and he's fucking right now. And then Mary comes by. She's looking for her man. Um, but she doesn't find him because of course he's in the other room getting his, uh, doink sucked. And, um, uh, Ralph, big bad Ralph, he uh, he swoops in and is like, "Why don't you uh, why don't you sit down here and wait for uh, wait for Bill with me?" And then she's like, "Oh yeah, great." And he's just like, "Would you like a cigarette?" And she's just like, "That's exactly what I need." And then Ralph gives her a cigarette, tricks her into smoking weed yet again, the classic uh, cigarette joint reverso. And, That's uh, backshadowing, baby. <laughs> backshadowing. <laughs> Yeah, and then Bill, uh, or sorry, not Bill, Ralph, he, like, uh, gives the joint to Mary. Mary takes, like, two hits, and then Ralph just starts, like, sexually assaulting her. Like, full-on, like, grabbing her, trying to rip her clothes off, assault. And all of this is... We are against... Yeah, of course. And all of this is being framed like it's, like, the fault of marijuana and not, like, it's, like, you know some creepy guy who just decided to attack somebody yeah yeah it's still a movie about weed and not a movie about how some dudes are bad yeah and like that's really what this should be about you know don't hang out with the older kid who is still hanging out with high school students he'll try and rape you 
Yeah, we should make a progressive re-release of this movie where nobody smokes weed, but everybody gets assaulted. Yeah, they'd get assaulted either way if they were hanging out with this guy. Whether they smoke weed or not, Ralph is a predator, bro. Yeah. (laughs) And so Bill comes out of the closet. He comes out, not of the closet, out of the other room. What? Sorry, but uh, I just have in my notes, this is the part of the movie when I realized that the whole movie is just about a bunch of teens going to an old people's condo and getting fucked. Like I didn't, I didn't, you, you, you kept thinking there was going to be more to it than that. <laughs> yeah. Until right now, I kept thinking that we were going to meet other teens. <laughs> you, 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 you thought some sort of B plot was about to, was cooking on the back burner. <laughs> and then we get to this point and you were like, Oh no, this is what this movie's about. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, this is just Jeffrey Epstein's favorite movie. <laughs> like, this is the Epstein story, except instead of smoking weed, everyone would have been smoking penis and weed. <laughs> smoking Jeff's penis. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's what we should do. We should start saying we're smoking on Epstein every time we smoke joints. <laughs> yeah, that's what I have been doing. I like that a lot. Smoking on Epstein. Rest in peace, Tuca. We're smoking on Epstein. Yeah, and you know who the next pending pack is? Ghislaine Maxwell. <laughs> Smoking G-Packs. <laughs> Ghislaine Maxwell pending pack. But anyway, uh, Bill come, comes out of the room, uh, and he's coming out hot. He's, you know, he's ready to intervene and save his uh, woman. And uh, so he gets in a fight with Ralph, and then Jack comes out, who, you know, the head drug dealer, the man, he's been drinking at this point pretty heavily. And he comes out. He joins the fight with a pistol out for some reason, thinking that for some reason he can't. This grown man can't handle these two literal boys who are fighting. Yeah, Um, he pulls out a pistol. Instead of being like, hey, look, I pulled out my pistol. Everyone stop fighting. Instead of that, he just like hits them with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He doesn't use a gun at all how you should. You know, instead of like, like you were saying, announcing like, hey, stop, I have a gun or... Maybe taking a warning shot. Uh, Shooting is another thing guns are known to do. My man just fucking turns his shit around and pistol whips. uh, He pistol whips Bill in the head, knocking him out, and then the gun goes off, and it just, like, perfectly shoots uh, Bill's girlfriend, uh, uh, Mary. Uh, Shoots and kills her. Then uh, everyone's, like, fucking panicking. Well, when Bill wakes up, Jack just, like, puts the gun in his hand and is like yeah you killed mary and then he gives may an alibi and then he just takes off which i think is a big pimp move like hey tell the police you had nothing to do with it i'll see you in mexico (laughs) (laughs) and then going up to another guy and being like tell the police you had everything to do with it (laughs) yeah all right i'll see you guys later i'll see you in jail i'll see you at home anyway Like, my man's thinking pretty clearly here for a dope fiend, you gotta say. Like, that that's well thought through plan. Well, I thought he was just a drinker. I guess he is just a drinker. He, I don't know. You maybe. know how drinkers are, smart as a whip. Yeah, yeah, yeah maybe, maybe this man. This man smart and ethical decisions all the time. Why do you think his house looks so nice, man? He's like, he's not getting high on his own supply. This guy's like drug, uh, this guy's Scarface in the first half of the movie. Amen. <laughs> 
man, I want the second half of my life to be the, like the first half of Scarface's life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Selling, selling cocaine, and I'm a, and I survive. Yeah, <laughs> at the end, at the end, I don't die. You know, I just become yeah. even more rich, and then just, I live forever. Just, I, want, I want my life to be Scarface's life up to when he buys a mansion. <laughs> 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 then I get out of the game. <laughs> then I retire on top. <laughs> I want my life to be like Sosa's life, but I lose the gunfight. <laughs> yeah, the next scene uh, after this, uh, I really liked. We got uh, the trial of Bill Harper. <laughs> That's what this movie should be called. The trial of Bill Harper. <laughs> I would have. Uh, I think that's a much more impactful title. Like Reefer Madness is iconic, but like the trial of Bill Harper, that sounds like it could be a masterpiece. <gasps> that sounds. I'm pretty sure there is a movie named something like that already. It <laughs> <laughs> sounds like the assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford. Like it's that kind of energy where it's just telling you what. Like the title is what happens in the movie. Man, I fucking love that shit. Shrek, that's another example of that. <laughs> what? How is Shrek an example of that? It sums up what happens in the movie. The movie's called Shrek, and uh, you got you got Shrek through the entire movie. I guess I can't argue with you. <laughs> yeah, I, I just like for you to think of a way that I'm wrong in that wild statement. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so it's the trial of Bill Harper, and who's taking the stand but Dr. Carroll? And he's his old enemy. His, his old, well, it's like it, not even his enemy. Like, Dr. Carroll tried to save Bill. He tried to get him on the straight and narrow partway through this movie. And now Dr. Carroll is literally testifying against Bill. <laughs> Man, his doctor, the last time we saw his doctor, he was like, yeah, if you ever need someone to talk about, just remember, it never leaves this office. <laughs> the next scene is doctor's like, I would like to tell you everything my patient has ever said to me, please. <laughs> of course, it's under oath, your honor. Um, yeah, and if this doctor was on The Sopranos, I would have fucking whacked his ass. I oh yeah, mad. I'm dude. If this if if the actor who hasn't played this character hasn't died of old age, I want to go to Hollywood and kill him. I want to go to Hollywood and take vengeance for my man Bill, because uh, uh, Doctor Carol needs to learn that snitches get stitches. Yeah, he does. I, I don't care if it takes him literally 90 years to learn that lesson. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. It's almost the centennial of this movie, dude. <laughs> yeah, we should have held off for another eight years. <laughs> but but and, and, and like the, the evidence that, that Dr. Carroll uses, uses to prove that Bill's a dope smoker is just insane. insane. It's like, yeah, yeah I, I saw him play tennis and he missed the ball. Yeah, by that's how feet. I know. That's, that's how, how I know he was ripped. Sometimes. He missed the ball by four feet. Maybe he I... just didn't hit the ball. And then, and then the other other evidence that uh, um, Doctor Carroll provides, he's like he zones out in class. He doesn't pay attention. It's like maybe he's just a teenager who has a, have a who's having a tough time. You know, he's thinking about shit. Dude. My man just lost his virginity premaritally to a lady named Blanche. Of course, he's got a lot on his mind right now. Yeah, man. Every girl in his whole school has to wear clothing that covers from their ankle to their neck. Do you think that he has to not work hard to imagine what titties look like? Yeah, this dude just fucked in a time before condoms were invented. Like, you're not going to be able to tell him a single thing for a couple of years. 
<laughs> Bill's going to have a lot on his mind for the foreseeable future. <laughs> Man, was this really before condoms, wasn't that? <laughs> no, I think they've had condoms for a while. If there's one thing that human beings have invented, it's a way to fuck without getting pregnant. Uh, anyone who's listening, let us know. When do they invent condoms? Yeah, and when will Brad learn learn what they're called? <laughs> <laughs> I've never used one before, so I never had to knew the name. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, what what do you think happens to Bill here? Uh, you know, you've seen this movie. I should just say, uh, my man Bill gets convicted of murder, <laughs> which I think is so fun. Like, what's the lesson that they're trying to teach you there? Like, don't smoke weed, or you'll falsely be convicted of the murder of your girlfriend. Oh, I, I think, yeah. I mean, I wrote down like what I actually think they were trying to do is like, uh, he like wouldn't have been convicted if he could prove what his story was but he forgot all the details and all the people involved so he oh, can't like problem solve his way out of the situation because he's too high to realize you know what i mean uh so i guess the movie's trying to tell you that weed makes you mentally weak but it's like those people would also just like kill themselves and their own whole family if someone called their wife a witch back in the day that's so true it's like i'm pretty sure that everyone was just weak mentally and weed also doesn't make you forget like key information like that Weed makes me forget, like, why I just came upstairs, you know? Weed doesn't make me... If Bill was really smoking weed, and he was, Bill would forget everything else he did that day, apart from all the key events of the murder, which would be in razor-precise detail. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's true. You'd remember how many times everyone had sniffled in the whole room. Yeah, exactly. But it, like, he couldn't tell you what song was on the radio as he was going there, or like, you know, where he went afterwards, even. So how he uh, got there. He couldn't tell you if he took a car. Also, wait, hey, have we even thought to think like, can Bill not recall these events because he was smoking weed, or because he got pistol whipped in the back of the head? <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's probably just severely concussed yeah, Why did he do this trial before he could go to the hospital yeah it's like they've got bill on the stand it's like your honor uh, the defendant is recoiling at the sight of a uh, bright light and he can't handle loud noises two telltale signs of a dope addict like... <laughs> a guilty man and a dope addict. <laughs> my man's just concussed yeah, I guess it's trying to say that simple mistakes can lead to situations you're not ready for or something. But really all it ends up saying is if you try weed, your girlfriend will die and then you'll get Salem witch hunted by your whole town. If you smoke weed, wait, I think this is just trying to tell you like if you smoke weed, you'll go to jail, but not for smoking weed. but because your girlfriend was murdered and that's a whole other thing (laughs) if you if you try weed a bunch of whole different stuff is gonna happen yeah if you try weed a lot of stuff is gonna happen to you (laughs) (laughs) that's what this movie is about (laughs) okay because uh yeah this shit's not even over yet because now we're back not at the dope house but at like some weird safe house that like uh uh, all the drug dealers are hanging out at. We've got uh, Blanche. She's just going insane playing the piano, like playing 
like playing her fucking heart out and then ralph is just like dancing his brains out and um i'd actually really like to uh talk about this whole piano playing thing i think that's a a theme of this movie is that smoking weed makes you excellent at piano because like how many times has a character taken a hit like the piano player old firefingers mcgillicuddy he was smoking weed in the closet and he's the best piano player this side of the mississippi and uh that's true and they did cut to his face like four times that we didn't mention too like just randomly a lot of times cutting to his fucking face his deranged piano playing face Um, so maybe in the 30s being a musician was like frowned upon i think it well i think it was well because like uh like uh weed was so associated with the jazz scene at the time that's why they kept like dancing to swing music and you know hip-ass jazz tunes is because that's like that was the rap music of the 30s, essentially. <laughs> <laughs> that was what was causing the moral panic. Just uh, <laughs> just piano? Yeah, just smooth riffs. Isn't that funny? Instrumental music being like like parents wanting to shut down instrumental music. Like piano music with no words, and your mom's like, you are not allowed to listen to this. Yeah, and then they complain about our generation's pussies. It's like, you're the one trying to ban music with no word yeah yeah you're the ones who thought pianos would make me smoke weed (laughs) (laughs) i get you guys were scared but come on (laughs) who's the real pussies man but so um jack jack um jack comes back he steps in through the door and ralph thinking that jack is about to kill him uh, uh ralph like rushes him and bashes his head in with a metal rod and uh, killing him just like seconds before the police show up and arrest everybody, which is such a funny scene. It's like a murder happens, the cops come in, handcuff everyone, and then they just like take them all like back out the door. Uh, while one of the, I don't know if you caught this, but like all the cops come in, take everybody, and remove them from the apartment, and then one of the cops just like closes the door and stays, and then it cuts to a different scene. I didn't know what that meant. I didn't either, but I, I started uh, imagining, and I really like the idea of like a cop just like busting a drug deal and then being like, "Hey, you got make sure you take him back to jail. I'll uh, I'll check everything out here. I'll make sure that there's uh, that, 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 that you know there's no more other people or something. Either way, you leave. I'm gonna close this door." And then you cut to him on his hands and knees, just like combing the carpet, looking for weed on the ground. Yeah, cut to cut to the cops smoking weed and playing the fuck out of the piano. Yeah, I don't know. I kind of thought he was there to like arrest the corpse of Jack. Yeah, and then he realized that he was dead, so he's just like hanging out. Maybe he just stayed there to like take over the house. It's like we've arrested all the residents, and uh, this is the nicest apartment that I've ever seen in my entire life. So eh, it looks like this town's getting a beautiful new police station. <laughs> uh, dope house slash police station the jazz police club that sounds pretty good yeah anyway so blanche is explaining like what really happened uh with um mary to the cops and she like clears bill's name at the expense of her own she ends up going to j- uh, being sentenced to jail for assisting in the delinquency of minors which i think i think uh, helping kids be bad is such a hilarious charge you colluded with these children for them to misbehave yeah but like how many people could you have gotten locked up in your day for fucking assisting in the delinquency of a minor almost none i did i I did all the delinquency myself 
I feel like I could have got some people in trouble for assisting in the delinquency of a minor when I was a boy. Well, careful, Bradley. You don't want to incriminate yourself live on the air right now. You want to check out what the uh, statute of limitations is on helping kids be bad. Shout out to <laughs> shout out to my school cop for always assisting in my delinquency when I was a boy <laughs> by never finding me when I was being delinquent. Anyway, yeah, and shout out to my school cop for doing a comparably comparably bad job at uh, keeping me on the straight and narrow. You know what's stupid about this movie is they were trying to make a movie about how weed ruins your life, but then in the movie, everything worked out fine for the kids. Like, only the drug dealers had anything go wrong. Two people died. One kid died and the other murdered somebody in the streets. Yeah, well, I forgot about that, okay? (laughs) (laughs) You can't blame me for that. I really love, though, that the kid who uh, uh, does a hit-and-run killing somebody never faces any consequences. Like, he's in the court afterwards for, all for like, Bill's trial and all that, and he's just, like, in the audience like he's not a defendant or anything. I love that. He's just trying to look as calm as possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just trying to hold in all that PTSD. Talking Um, to himself like, you don't belong here. You don't belong here. Yeah. Back to Blanche and the assisting in the delinquency. So she gets she gets her sentence, and then as she's like being you know let out of the court or you know taken through the courthouse, being t- on her way to uh, prison, she's like thinking about all the people who have died because of her actions. When really she, nobody's died because of Blanche's actions. If anyone's innocent in this story, like Blanche has done the least bad to anyone. Blanche is just a, you know, she's just there. Like, she's just a fucking party girl who likes smoking dope and kissing boys. Like, I can't fault a girl for that. So it's unfortunate that she she gets pinned like this because, like, as she's walking, she can't deal with all the guilt of all the shit that she's been gaslit into thinking she's responsible for by the fucking dumbass justice system. And so she uh, flings herself out of the courthouse window, committing suicide. Amen. And uh, we cut back to Ralph. He, um, he, he, he's like locked in uh, marijuana induced psychosis. Uh, and he gets sentenced to an asylum for the criminally insane. And then we cut back to the PTA meeting of uh, Dr. Carroll, like talking to the parents. And he's just like, it could be your kids or yours or yours or yours. And then he points at the viewer and the TV fades to black. When he pointed directly at me, I fucking saluted right back. You, you, you know what I really liked about this whole movie? Hmm. Is that, so like it ends with Dr. Carroll like finishing up the story. So you can assume that Dr. Carroll told, you know, all of those events to a group of parents. <laughs> Brad, do you think Dr. Carroll described two separate sex scenes to a group of moms and dads at a school meeting? <laughs> Do you think Dr. Carroll described uh, <laughs> described two of the a son and a daughter of parents in the room fucking each other? He he had to. It was in the movie. He said, "Parents, if this tale scares you, just I want you to know that that's good." And then he's like, specifically, your two children are fucking each other. Yeah. If you guys, if you guys think that story is scary, wait till you hear the story of how I found out about all this. If you think that's scary, wait till you hear about how I just found out that Bill can make girls come already. 
<laughs> he's like explaining how <laughs> the specifics of how Bill eats pussy. <laughs> <laughs> he's like doing the. He's like Bill's a big fan of the Ryan Short method. He's like, yeah, I use the front of my gums and I push that up. It's like, <laughs> oh, for the oh. listeners, shout out to Ryan Short. He's a yeah. guy who explained to me and Kian how to eat pussy on the first day that we met him. Yep. 30-year-old man. <laughs> I was 17 at the time. Pretty sure, that, <laughs> pretty sure that was a crime. Well, that's Reefer Madness, Brad. That was a good fucking movie, dude. I liked it. I had a I... good amount of fun. It was one of the easiest movies to follow that we've watched on this podcast so far, which I appreciate. Yes. I feel I... like I actually got this one. I think I think more movies need to be like they need to scare me into thinking stuff. I think movies would be a lot easier if they didn't try to have any, you know, deeper meanings. It was just like all fear mongering. Yeah, well, I think that's part of why it's so easy to understand. And then I also think that all movies should only have a plots because this movie <laughs> yeah. only has an a plot. That's true. There's only one plot. <laughs> and I think that's perfect. That's the perfect amount of plots for a movie to have. Yeah, just uh, one A plot that is about as dense as any other movie's C plot, and that's that's perfect. Exactly. <laughs> then you got a one hour long movie right there. <laughs> and uh, I mean, I, I was gonna ask, like, what do you think our parents learned from this? But I think the obvious answer is uh, the prohibition of marijuana, uh, the war on drugs. Yeah. This really terrified my mom. Like, I, I think that every time I told my mom I was hanging out at my friend's house, I think that this is what she thought was going on. That I was just, like, hanging out with some older spinsters and we were all smoking weed at their extravagant house wearing suits and playing the piano together. <laughs> I wonder if my dad has seen this movie. It makes me wonder. Because, like, I don't know, my parents were always super untrusting of when I would go over to people's houses, too. But they also never showed this to me, so I don't know. Yeah, my parents never showed this to me, but I think that was because they didn't want me getting any ideas, you know? When your parents sat you down to give you the, the weed talk, did they tell you anything from this movie? I never got a weed talk. My parents just, like, never told me. I never got a weed talk until they caught me smoking weed, and they were like, where did we go wrong? And I was just like, well, oh, you know. never giving you a weed talk. Yeah, yeah I'd, I'd say, say start, start there. there. I'd say <laughs> I, I, I would also say with uh, only, only letting me listen to you know classic rock bands. Uh, when I got really into the Doors, that should have been a big red flag that psychedelics were on the horizon. Um, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> oh, that's funny as hell. Yeah, like I don't know what our parents could have even learned from that. It's just like straight misinformation. I mean, like, like I, I think that they do actually touch on real issues, like Ralph preying on younger kids. Like, they could have turned that into an actually good movie where people could have learned shit from that, and, you know, it would have been useful and helpful. But instead, they just, like, barely missed the mark, and it's all of a sudden it's an anti-weed flick. Or like we were saying before with, like, liquor and you know if they wanted to talk about the dangers of drinking with like the same exact examples they use in this movie it wouldn't have been crazy and accurate i also really like uh i guess the progression that this movie's taken where people were able to like look at it and almost see it as you know a parody of drug culture and see like this completely um over the top over policing demonization of something so harmless and you know see that and be able to realize like oh shit 
we should legalize this. You know, it's not that big of a deal. Um, I think it would be really cool if we did something like that now, uh, but with, you know, other drugs. If we uh, did that with mushrooms or some shit, with MDMA, maybe some more therapeutic psychedelics where we can have uh, some sort of... Uh, make a prohibition-style movie where it's a completely over-the-top demonization of it, uh, where it demonizes it so much that it creates a counterculture revolution and then all of that shit gets legal, and then I can go to the store and buy mushrooms. That's what I really want here, Brad. <laughs> well, you sound like you just want to do mushrooms. Yeah, maybe I do. Who's to say? <laughs> um, yeah, I just there's no reason to me that this movie should have not been about older guys trying to use drugs to pick up high school girls like it's it's like what happens in the movie and also in real life i can't believe that hasn't been a movie i can't believe no one's talked about that seriously like that's a subject that, that should be spoken, spoken about. about yeah because it is something that happens all the time <laughs> it happens all the time my sister is going into grade 12 right now so she's like at the age where 25 year olds are starting to try to hang out with her now yep it's really upsetting yeah i know i was i saw her the other day Uh, (laughs) (laughs) well no because i just remember like how hard you would bully like girls who used to do that when they were your age and they would hang out with someone way older than you and i just feel terrible now yeah you realize that they weren't dumb they were being taken advantage of (laughs) yeah and I would also like to end this with a formal uh, I'll kill you to all 25-year-old dudes. And you know why. Stop texting my sister. And I'd like to end this with a formal invitation to any girl who wants to go out on a date with me. Uh, shout out to Comedy Here Often. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Uh, uh, check us out. Check us out. DM Follow us me. Regarding merch, please leave us a review. Subscribe to us. Follow, follow us, me. Kian underscore BD. I hey Brad. Oh yeah. YPWT y- underscore pod. No underscore. YPWT pod. Fuck. No underscore. No underscore. Anyway, uh, we love you. Thank you all for listening. Mwah, mwah, mwah.